can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thursdays with Wayne. Hope everybody has had a good week and a good year so far. Uh, I know I have. Uh, going on a cruise pretty soon and uh, then going on some big travels. Come the end of February and March, I'll be going to the Philippines, believe it or not, with some very close friends of ours. Uh, there's a group of about 12 of us. Uh, going. Um, the group leader is from the Philippines, and this is part of a little tour group she got together to not only go there but and visit, but uh, to also see her family. So I'm going to be gone for almost a whole month <laughs> over there in the Philippines, sweating my mm, off, probably. But anyhow, we're looking forward to it. First time in, in Asia for me. Um, I don't count, obviously, Australia or New Zealand. Uh, that's not quite Asia, but it's over there anyhow. Uh, so yeah, actually uh, looking forward to it. What I'm not looking forward to though is getting there because, uh, we have to, uh, go ahead and get our flight out of, uh, Dulles airport uh, in Washington, DC, rather than the local airport here I would use, which is BWI, Baltimore, Washington international. And uh, the drive to Dulles is about an hour and a half um, or two if it's bad traffic, which it usually is. And then fly on uh, uh, a nonstop to, uh, from Dulles to Dubai. There we have a, a seven to eight hour layover in Dubai. And then a 12 hour flight, a little over 12 hours from Dubai straight to Manila. And then the return flight is the same. So I've, I've done a couple long-haul flights in the past. When, when I went to Australia to, to teach a CPO instructor's class, and then when my wife and I went on a cruise out of Sydney a few years ago, and these flights from San Francisco to Sydney, it's like 14 hours or something like that. But it was, um, it, it was crazy. I remember the first time I flew internationally like that in a long-haul flight, I was worried how I was going to survive it. And I have a very good friend of mine that I do community theater with here in the Baltimore area, who is a flight attendant for Southwest. And I asked him, I said, you know, how, how do you survive these long haul flights? I said that there, this is crazy 14 hours in the air. And he said, I have two words for you, Wayne, drugs and alcohol. <laughs> and I went, huh? What? And he said, no, honestly, um, take a couple of Benadryl and then take a couple of, uh, miniatures of your favorite uh, adult liquor, and you'll be out for hours. And I thought, eh, I don't know about this one. So, wife's a nurse, so I thought, well, at least you know something happens. I'm medically looked over. So uh, we got on the plane. Well, we actually flew from Baltimore to uh, San Francisco and picked up the flight from San Francisco at like ten thirty at night or something. And um, I remember taking the two Benadryl. I remember taking 
uh, two miniatures of Jack Daniels. And I thought, okay, this isn't going to work. But apparently it put me out for about seven hours. <laughs> okay, that's seven hours. You've got seven more to deal with. Well, I don't. I, I forgot the count of the the, the two hour movies I, we saw and various old reruns of Friends and a couple other American TV series. So, but we got there at like six o'clock in the morning, Sydney time. And Sydney, if I remember correctly, is fourteen hours ahead of the East Coast of the United States. So when we would, you know, try to text the kids or, or, or FaceTime the kids, I had to do the math. Okay, they're in the middle of the night there. Whoa, what's going on? Wasn't funny. But we, we had a good time anyhow. So I do remember FaceTiming uh, my, my two kids uh, when we were at the Sydney Opera House, on, uh, sitting outside of it, waiting for our tour to begin. And I remember telling my son, I said, oh, look, by the way, here we are. And I turned the phone around and all I could hear was going, holy crap. Yeah, it's big. It's pretty impressive. Very impressive. So now that I've diverged from whatever it was I was going to talk about today, what we're going to talk about is the trends that I see happening for 2024 in our industry. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to deal with chemistry or testing, although one of them is. I'm going to talk about what I see as new things coming on the block in 2024. This is based on trade shows and some sleuthing on the internet that I've done and things about that. These are the things to look out for in our industry as far as uh, being able to to serve our customers, serve our customers pretty pretty well and pretty efficiently. So I'm going to start right off the bat with, uh, yeah, test strips. Uh, the, the, The test strip industry as a whole has improved in technology, efficiency, economies, variations on the theme, what it can test for from when they first came out. And when they first came out within our industry, and I would would honestly say it was probably around maybe the the latter part of the 90s, the very latter part, like I'm talking 98, 99, maybe even 2000. When, when test strips first came into our market and there was a lot of doubt and suspicion. Now we do remember that. Then a couple other test kit companies came on board with test strips and all of a sudden, so did everybody else. So even companies that have absolutely nothing to do with, with testing or chemistry came out with test strips or had somebody private label them or, or whatever uh, because of the, of the economies involved. Homeowners loved them because they were they were cheap. And the problem was is that yeah, they, they were cheap in cost and cheap in quality, particularly the ones that were were private labeled or came from uh, outside the US or whatnot. The the three companies that really kind of did their homework on test strips really flooded the market. The first one is obviously AquaCheck. Those of you who were around back then know that that they, they were the first ones to come out with several different test strips uh, that tested a variety of different parameters in, in, in pool and spa water. Then both Taylor and Lamont came out with their uh, versions of test strips with the same, pretty much the same parameters. And those have been the three more reliable test strip manufacturers. Now, Lamont has taken over, I think, as far as the leader is concerned. Even though AquaCheck is still around, their presence has diminished greatly 
uh, within the industry uh, recently. And when I mean recently, I mean like within the past eight, five to eight years. Quality of the test strip, the, the parameters that they're testing for, the ease of use of test strips, assuming you properly follow the directions because test strips are different. Not everybody has the same directions. I see that as a big trend, a big thing coming down down the pike for 2024. Now, there will still be, you know, liquid reagents, and little tabs, uh, things like that, electronics. Uh, they're, they're still going to be there, okay? But for speed and efficiency and accuracy, as far as a test strip can be, then you're looking at that uh, significant increase in use, I think, in 2024. The next, next, the next two products kind of work together in, in a sense. The first one is uh, automatic water fillers, so that you know you, you have an outdoor pool, and for whatever particular reason, a lot of splash out, a leak, whatever backwashing, whatever the the, the level of the water decreases to such a point that a meter will measure the drop. And we'll realize that the water level is dropping and we'll automatically fill the pool back up to a predetermined uh, um, amount uh, or height, depth, whatever you want to call it. Uh, th- this is very, very convenient, uh, particularly for those who, who do a lot of backwashing and there's a lot of splash out. It's a, it's a big popular public pool that you really can't control, that kind of thing. So these automatic water fillers kind of save you the time. And, and the expense to a degree to, to make sure that the water is at the proper level. What's the proper level? Well, generally speaking, if you have a skimmer, a skimmer box, the water should go up at least halfway up the skimmer box. Um, anything lower or higher than that is just not efficient and won't even work properly. So, you, but, but you can set these auto water filler systems to to add, you know, X inches of water or X gallons to equal inches of water, which is easily calculable. Um, and, and I see them as a, as a great, um, uh, great tool. Now, the cost is pretty, pretty up there. Um, so you have to look at it as an investment more than a toy. <laughs> and um, in the long range financial things, um, these autofiddle systems are, are not a bad idea. Now, kind of, kind of, sort of tied in with this are pool alarms. Again, we're talking safety, we're talking water levels, and we're talking sensors um, that 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 determine that there's been a disruption to the surface of the water in a pool or spa, and that's what the alarm is. Sometimes they're, they're laser beams, um, uh, lights that go across the pool surface. Sometimes it's a wave action thing. Really, there's a variety of different methods that, that you can have these alarms. But this is particularly important, obviously, in, in residential pools. There are children involved, even though you might have security fences. You know, I had kids too. I have kids. And when they were younger, they'd get into anything. And they'll find some way to get in there. And I'm not just talking kids, too, and I'm talking about our furry friends. Uh, I've seen too many uh, really bad um, YouTube videos, really horrifying YouTube videos of, uh, of dogs getting into uh, the pool. And for some reason, the, uh, either they, they get tired of swimming and they drown or they can't swim or the instincts don't kick in or whatever. 
and uh, you got a problem. Very bad situation there. But obviously, with with children, you want to be able to to have these alarms on there. Now, and now I'm not talking about security gate alarms. I'm talking about things like surface tension, no, sur- water surface, so that if something falls into the pool, there's a wave created, and the alarm will 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 identify that as as a possible you know uh, introduction into the water, and will set off an alarm. Uh, I see these uh, also being very, very, very uh, popular upcoming in the industry, uh, and and the improvements on them are just beyond beyond description. So, if, if you've got a situation in which you have a customer, uh, little kids, and or dogs, not cats so much. Cats tend not to jump into bowls. I would honestly suggest uh, the possibility of an alarm. Now, the, the next thing is for those people, for those customers who have uh, saltwater generators, chlorine generators, whatever you want to happen to call them, is that the replacement salt cells are becoming more efficient. Uh, they're reducing in price. And the replacement process of these cells is becoming easier to deal with. To the point where, you know, I've heard of customers actually replacing them on their own. So you might want to consider for those customers that you have that, that have these to, to investigate and to identify any, any old cells, any used cells, any damaged cells and replace them appropriately. Salt cell on your average home pool. I've heard two years is, is maybe the, a good life. Of the cell, I guess it depends on usage and things like, and you know, uh, uh, amount of bathers and, and whatnot. Uh, but about two years is what I've always heard is the is the right amount of time before you need to replace them. So talk to them, talk to your customers about salt systems, and kind of kind of sort of tied into that is salt systems themselves. I have always been a big proponent of, of salt cells uh, of salt water generators. Um, even when they started to become very, very popular in the industry uh, in the mid-90s, kind of the, the, the uh, wave kind of started in Florida and expanded out. I find that salt systems, with, with all their issues, and I'll go over them in a moment, the benefits greatly out, outweigh the, 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 the detrimental issues uh, that, that a saltwater generator can, can possibly have. Because you're creating chlorine, hypochlorous acid, your sanitizer and oxidizer from salt. Uh, very simple. And as I've said too many times, you know, it's salt's what we put on French fries. You can't get any more simpler than that, chemistry-wise. Uh, the process is simple. The the mechanics of converting NaCl, sodium chloride, to HOCl is is simpler, easier, um, more efficient now than than it has ever been before. So... I, I, I strongly uh, suggest that uh, if you're not a big uh, anti-saltwater <laughs> person, take a look at them. Uh, I think they're, they're, they're the way to go, quite honestly. Um, uh, but again, to each his own. Everybody has their own preferences. The next little trend that I see is something kind of, kind of cute. Uh, I have a very, very good friend and fellow uh, host of Talking Pools, uh, Andrea Nanini, who is well-known for not only dropping pens in pools, but in also saving critters from pools. Uh, these are not just lizards, but, you know, frogs, whatever you happen to have. 
And I had seen ads in some of the industry uh, rags and on, on the websites where they have now critter ramps that you can put into pools. And it, it's kind of an escape method for them to be able to crawl out or, or walk out. Now, this is not going to stop them from getting into a skimmer basket. No, not at all. But if you if you got a you know a, a raccoon for example and it and it's gotten into the pool for some reason and it, and it you've got one of these little uh, critter escape ramps in there if if the raccoon is intelligent enough which is a big if they at least bump into it, that they might put two and two together or whatever raccoons do and realize that if they and go up on this on this piece of wood or whatever it is, uh, and walk up. They're going to be able to get out of the water and not die. So, and I've seen them, and and I've I've seen it in a couple of, of of the magazines. I've also realized, you know, you can make one of those really really cheap if you think about it with some carpet and a two by four and piece of plywood or something like that. But um, I think that it, it's not a bad idea, particularly. For customers who have pools in rural areas, and that's not easy for me to say, rural, rural, rural areas, sounds like a lion's roar. That, you know, it, yeah, we've all seen the, the TikTok videos and, and whatnot, the videos of, of God, uh, deer, cows, um, you know, getting into uh, all sorts of animals, getting into pool water and, and then trying to get out. You know, well, uh, if there's an, um, some way to get the smaller animals out with something like these, these ramps, that's a great idea. The bigger animals, well, you got some other issues, and that's not part of this list. So the next trend that I see is actually the, the, the next two are kind of the same thing, uh, vacuum cleaners and nets. I, Although uh, obviously not my area of expertise in any way, shape, or form, However, you know, you, you learn some things over the years and, you know, not all vacuum cleaners are created equal, not, uh, not uh, all leaf nets are not created equal. Some are very good. Some are very, very bad. But and again, improvements in technology created easier, less breaking uh, units that actually do the job better than the original ones. I mean, everything improves. And the durability of not only these these vacuums, the vacuum cleaners, uh, you know, in, in, in water vacuum cleaners and uh, nets are in, immense trade shows. Everybody's, uh, you know, looking at new nets and, and, and new pieces of equipment and, you know, looking for the next best, greatest thing. And, and you know, and as technology improves and, and costs decrease, you're going to see a lot more. Uh, efficient products, especially in the vacuum cleaner area, that uh, do a much better job than than the ones from a few years ago. So, improvement in vacuum cleaners and and uh, nets, I see as a trend. And then the last thing I'm going to leave you with is uh, is again something that that you know, I, I know about. I don't know. I'm not an expert in the area, but these are leak sealers. Think of them like your um, tire goes flat or goes low, and you're not near a gas station to pump some air into it. Um, and and you can get these cans that look like aerosol cans that you can 
that stick on the on the tire and, and and it inflates and you can drive it for a certain distance to go get it fixed. Fix a leak, uh, fixes, yeah, fix a leak. That's what it, that's what they are. I've also seen them at three o'clock in the morning on the weird channels, you know, like you know. But wait, there's more kind of thing. Um, yeah, uh, those are are not really very efficient. But these are these are in water uh, pieces of how do I describe it? it kind of looks like caulk that um you um you can either do it in the water or or drain drain the pool or spa drain the pool probably uh and if you don't have the funds to to completely you know resurface the the pool adding this it, it will will solve the problem now i've just seen them i don't know how efficient they are i don't know how good they work yet if they've come out to the point where they're being advertised. Somebody, te- something tells me eh, at least somebody's looked at this. So I see that as as a big trend coming up because you know if, if you're given the choice of, of paying you know fifty bucks for a leak sealer system versus you know ten or twenty grand to resurface a pool or, or more, what are you going to take? What are you going to try first? You know, it might be just a band aid, but it might be a band aid that that you can deal with. Um, and, and that you can afford, your wallet can afford, let's put it like that. So let's see, is there anything else that I have on here? Nope, I think that's it. But that doesn't mean that that's not all of them. I'd like to hear from you guys. Um, pop me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com and let me know what you think are the big trends coming up in 2024 for, for our industry. I've talked about products here mostly today, but Talking about other things like education. Um, you, you've heard me talk and rant and all that stuff about about CPO, which is great. But uh, you know, do, do you guys have anything particular that 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 you you want to that that you want to look into or that you have seen that and that you want to discuss? I'd, I'd love to to hear from you guys uh, again. Talkingpools at gmail Put down attention, Wayne. And if we use your email um, on on a broad a, a a podcast, we will send you a nice little gift. And that nice little gift is a what the fuck hat to cover your head. And in my case, a balding hat. Uh, but it's a very, very attractive, very nice uh, a little thank you. Uh, so please, uh, you know, put your thinking caps on and send, send out to us what you think is going to happen in 2024 and beyond if you want to go even further. So with that all being said, ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful, wonderful week. I will be talking at you next Thursday. Please be safe out there. Take care. Bye-bye. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 